0: Hey, Pumpkin Spice listeners. Um, Graham and I realized at the end of this episode, we didn't talk about a very, very important scene. And we would be remiss not to bring it up because certain things impact our lives and need to be discussed. So if you like this podcast, make sure you rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And Graham, can you please talk about this scene
1: in a a respectful light? Yes, okay. So in... Friday the 13th, part eight, Jason takes Manhattan. There's a boxer character. And this scene was originally supposed to take place in Madison Square Garden, but it was cut for budgetary reasons. And they moved this boxing scene with Jason to a rooftop. And it goes on forever. He, J- This kid must hit Jason like maybe 20 times. I, it goes on for almost two minutes of film time. And then Jason just hits him once and like decapitates him. Happy Friday the 13th, everyone. Enjoy this episode.
0: Welcome to Pumpkin Spice Podcast. It's a seasonal podcast for fans of horror films. I'm Rob Schulte. And I'm Graham Young. Graham. Graham. What a film. Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. I'm already asleep.
1: Look, this was a huge disappointment for me, not only uh, yesterday when I watched the film, but when I was a kid seeing the trailer for this, and it's just have that, that striking image of Jason standing in Times Square. Um, it's such a striking visual image. Um, it looks and so, so cool. Yeah. And so everybody that I knew was like, oh, man, this movie's going to be so great. I can't wait to see it. And I, I was way too young to see it in the theaters. But when I eventually did see it, it was like such a letdown. And I sort of had flashbacks to that watching this film yesterday. I don't know how you felt about it, but. Uh,
0: oh, yeah. Uh, being that I'm in Manhattan most of the time, I like seeing Manhattan represented in movies. And I knew going into this film what was up like I know that it wasn't there but it was still kind of like wow some of these scenes are cool in a Friday the 13th movie it really is too bad
1: we didn't get more of them this movie was set up to be uh, Jason Takes Manhattan that was the title Um, but of an hour and a half run time I think we're in Manhattan for no more than 20 minutes I would probably say 15 minutes
0: and to make it even worse it's actually like an hour and 40 minutes this film so like having only 15 minutes in New York like that's a hard hard hour and 10 to watch
1: Yeah, um, and one of the reasons why it's so hard to to watch Rob, and maybe you can agree with me on this, the MPAA slashed this movie to bits. I mean, the kills in this film are particularly pretty weak.
0: Oh, yeah. It was boring, everything about this. And you know what? Let's just, Graham, give me that 30-second synopsis of this one. It might even be five.
1: Yeah, um... Okay, so I'll do my best. So like, here we go. So Jason boards a ship that's headed towards uh, New York City with a bunch of high school seniors. He kills everybody. They sink the ship. They make it to the shores of New York City. Well, he and doesn't Jason, kill everybody. Because- yeah, he doesn't kill everybody. But then the survivors make it to New York City in like these life rafts. And Jason c- continues to stalk them in New York City. Until he's uh, doused with a good, uh, a good bit of uh, toxic waste—the end all, be all, the the Deus Ex Machina
0: of eighties uh, horror films, toxic waste.
1: Rob, you know that I love uh, the Toxic Avenger uh, by uh, Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hers. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, so it was interesting to see sort of yeah that toxic waste craze that was going on in the nineteen eighties. What was something that you liked about it? Um. Okay, there's, there's actually several things I really like about the film. I think it was really uh, – the, the cinematography was wonderful. Um, even in the ship, there were some really great shots. And I love the way Jason looks without his mask in this film, um, especially when he gets um, hosed down with the uh, toxic waste. It's a really cool image. That being said, yeah, really none of the actors in this film really stood out to me. So I guess just a lot of cool visuals, but not a whole lot else. I liked the Teenage Mutant Ninja
0: Turtles type opening montage. (laughs) Yeah, wasn't that bizarre? I'm not even like that much of a big fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but that first movie and then the opening of this movie are practically like, Look how terrible New York is. Crime yeah. everywhere. I just wanna dive into what I think is my biggest takeaway from this film. Go for it. Jason Voorhees is a sentient zombie. Is he's like a Frankenstein. So that's where like we're a at. Frankenstein monster.
1: Yeah, um it seems like electricity sort of with with six and now eight uh, as being the device of uh, resurrection.
0: But it's more than that. It's when, like, Jason shows his mask to the punks or shows his, like, raw face to the punks to scare them away or actively choosing to hide on spaces on a boat but not hide in New York City. Like, things that are choices and reactionary. Also, he feels pain? What? What? Like what I, I I don't know what this guy is, but he is
1: convenient when necessary. Yes, exactly what it is. And this whole movie is convenient. How about the fact that uh, Jim or what's his name at the very beginning of the film the is BT's telling character? Well, yeah, he's telling the story of Jason Voorhees as they are their boat is going past his corpse and the anchor sort of hits an electrical line and brings him back to life as he's telling the story i mean this whole movie is just um a bunch of coincidences that seem to line up perfectly He also
0: when he puts on the hockey mask it happens to be jason's hockey mask
1: exactly including the axe mark yeah from part three oh my god I don't care
0: if the MPAA didn't like this scenes from this one there are ways to fix it that ah this goes back to what I said in a previous episode Graham it's frustrating because there are a lot of people out there that would make a better film for millions less
1: yeah um and this was the most expensive Friday the 13th to date and I also want to mention, just really quickly, that this is the last film um, that uh, Paramount produced. The franchise later moved to New Line Cinema. What were some be some, some major things you would change in this film? And before I before I ask you that, I just want to make uh, sure that we're very clear that they uh, the, the director and writer wanted to add scenes at the, the Empire State Building at Madison Square Garden. but because of budgetary reasons those had to be cut. Given the limitations, what would you do differently in this movie, Rob? Well, I would skip just about everything in the boat.
0: Somehow just get Jason maybe gets drunk by the anchor, whatever. And just build a shorter story that's maybe only an hour, maybe less in New York or takes place in New York, but you get that first initial 20 minutes of how to get there, folklore, catching people up, and character introduction.
1: And cast some people we actually care about. Well, yeah, if you like,
0: the, there were so many people in this film. That it was just felt like okay, since we have to kill people, we don't get to do what we want. Let's just have more scenes to do that with. But then they don't even do that. They they keep too many people, and then give us this weird extended outline of Jason as a kid, not actually dying, somehow being a ghost, but not. I,
1: it's a that very, whole continuity is off the wall. Like, sure, and it like doesn't make any sense
0: at all. But up until this point, you could at least stitch it together you know like you could make an argument for the timeline now it just doesn't make any sense and it's fun to be able to do to 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 find meaning where meaning wasn't intended
1: but you can't even do that in this film. i understand the filmmakers wanting to get jason out of camp crystal lake and take him to the city new york city was a great idea but if you were limited by budget Um, maybe go to a different city and then work up to New York City. And since Jason is a product of New Jersey, the perfect city um, that we should have gone to instead of New York was Atlantic City Um, because it's a dirtier, sort of a grimier version of Las Vegas, lots of sinning, lots of... Absolutely, great idea. I'm just kind of spitballing ideas here, Rob. So why is it though that
0: Jason... Why does he, I don't, sorry, I'm going to cut that part out.
1: I'm just so confused. Don't, I don't, because I think I love your frustration. I'm so confused, (laughs) like,
0: I don't know. I mean, I guess we explained it. It's convenient for him to feel pain when he needs to feel pain or get knocked out. And it's convenient when he can withstand things.
1: Again, this is a screenplay written out of convenience. I mean, none of it makes logical sense with the rest of the franchise I never noticed Jason really taking uh, uh acting like he was hurt by oh, it happened things. in the last movie a lot too uh, maybe that's something that Kane Hodder brought to the table oh that's because that Kane Hodder difference do you
0: think the uh the Jason kicking the punks
1: boombox was a statement of any sort I think if you really want to read into things you know the younger generation thinks they have um all the power and control, but there's this um, force of nature that will always put you on your ass. That scene sort of mimics uh, Beetlejuice. We don't see his face, but he's like, "Hey, you want to see something really scary?" Oh, yeah, yeah. And we see the reactions of Gina Davis and and Alec Baldwin, but we never see the face. Sort of similar to what happens in uh, Jason Takes Manhattan. And that's a choice that Jason
0: makes, knowing. That he will scare them off while his other choices are, I'm going to kill these people.
1: Well, Jason's starting to have some fun. He loves his job. He loves killing these kids. (sighs) <sighs> we could all just find that much joy
0: in our jobs. One last thing I want to say is I thought it was really funny when the dude with the VHS camera was filming Jason. And instead of just killing him, first Jason did the get the camera out of my face move. Yeah. Yeah. He that he gives a shit.
1: We're seeing sort of the human aspect of Jason there. No one wants a camera in their face. You know, I mean, that's something we can ad- identify with, you know. Yeah.
0: And I think the scene of the student trying to seduce the principal for nefarious reasons is better left untalked about, uh, but it was easy and cheap and incredibly dumb. I, yeah, I was going to add stupid. This episode is being released on Friday the 13th, so yes, it's a fun day to leave us a rating and review. Or share it with your friends. You know, the more people who are subscribed to the show, the more people will get to
1: see the show. And uh, why not today? Right, Graham? Absolutely. And Rob, if you would allow me to just give a quick plug. I'll make this very quick. Oh, please do. Um, I live here in Austin, Texas. And at the Austin Film Society, we have some of the best programming Uh, in the world. Like, I would put our art house against any other art house in the world. And this Friday the 13th, we're showing Mario Bava's Lisa and the Devil. If you don't have any plans and you're living in Austin, check that out. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be a great film. And you know what? I'm going to go even further. If you live a few hours from Austin, maybe make the trip. Yeah, come on. Come out and hang out with me, man. We'll talk movies and... And have a good old time. It's, it, I'm telling you, if you want to find the coolest people in Austin, go to the Austin Film Society Cinema any given night. You're going to meet some of the greatest people you've ever met in your life. It's fantastic.
0: Well, Graham, what recommendation do you have for our listeners today?
1: Well, I'll give a, a a special Friday the 13th recommendation, aside from Lisa and the Devil. Uh, since we're talking about New York movies, that's my New York accent. Rob, I'm sorry for that. Okay. Uh, but uh, if you're looking for a good New York City horror film, let me recommend William Lustig's Maniac Cop 2. Now, I love the first Maniac Cop. It is a solid, terrific movie. But Maniac Cop 2 is one of the best sequels ever made. And I say that in all sincerity. This movie is absolutely fantastic. And I don't think this is a spoiler at all. But if you're a fan of stunt work, The Last 20 Minutes of Maniac Cop 2 has some of the best stunt work I've ever seen in a motion picture. Any fans of this podcast, um, if you haven't seen this film already, check it out. You will love it.
0: All right. Now my recommendation. I recommend a little movie called The Peanut Butter Solution. Grammy, have you ever seen this film? Um, I don't think I've seen this since I was nine years old. Well, it's got everything. Ghosts. Um,
1: kidnappers. Low-budget Canadian television. The only thing I remember about this movie is that this kid is bald, so he puts peanut butter on his scalp and it makes him grow hair. But he sees ghosts, too. And then people kidnap him and turn his hair into paintbrushes for profit. That's right. Well, Rob, I will certainly check that out. Like I said, I haven't seen the peanut butter solution since I was like nine years old. So that sounds like the perfect uh, treat for Halloween.
0: There you go. (laughs) So, Graham, what do we have in store for the next (laughs) episode of Pumpkin Spice Podcast?
1: Well, uh, Rob and I are going to be going to hell uh, next Friday. We'll be going uh, there with Jason. Before we wrap this up, Rob, real quickly, can you give me your top three Friday the 13th movies thus far? Five, four, and seven. Two's out. Two's out. Because I was going to say, you were a big fan of two. Yeah, I thought about it more, but I think five, four, seven. Well, I'd like to thank you because I have I have a more of an appreciation for number two after talking to you.
0: Yeah, it's not like I dislike it, but I do think it, it needs to get more credit than it does. Yeah, it's a great film. And you know what? Next week? My numbers may change again. Yeah, who knows? You know, you may add number nine to that list. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) Um, Gift for the audience. You ready for this, Graham? Yeah, sure. The folks over at the Fix-A-Flick podcast welcomed me back to fix another flick for the Halloween season. So, uh, sticking with the theme, last year I fixed one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, and this year I fixed, quote, a, uh, Friday the 13th and I'm not gonna tell you which one but uh, it's somewhere in the middle and we have a really fun talk about where the Friday the 13th story could have gone if the changes I took went into place. So the other two hosts figure what the sequel would be after that, then one talks about what it could go into after that and it's an incredibly fun podcast. I say it's like the ultimate road trip podcast, you know the games you play in the car, you know if I made this movie, that sort of thing. That sounds amazing. I'm really looking forward to that, Rob. Yeah, um, every episode's fun and just like that. So Fix-A-Flick podcast. I think they're going to release it near Halloween. Hey, uh,
1: Hollywood, if you're looking for a good script doctor, get a hold of Rob.